anything and everything, especially but not limited to New York City. I'm doing this podcast to raise awareness on what I believe to be very important issues and offer solutions so as to make NYC and the planet a better, more sustainable place to live. Hello, welcome back. My name is Stowe, and this is Bitchin' NYC. Today's topic is garbage and recycling. Not a very uh, glamorous issue, but very important nonetheless. Most people don't think about uh, where their garbage goes. They just put it out, and it magically disappears every day. And so let me give you some facts and figures so you can wrap your mind around it. In New York City, we create 12,000 tons of garbage per day. It's 12,000 tons. For, that's about a little over 8 million people, five boroughs. And that adds up to 14 million tons of trash per year. So to put it in perspective, think of a car. An average car weighs around a ton, between one or two tons, depending on the size. So multiply that at that many cars times 14 million that's how much garbage just New York City produces alone every year. So that would take up a lot of space. And it does take up a lot of space. They're called landfills, okay? And basically, we pay. We don't, we don't even have any room left for landfills in the New York City area. And we stopped doing landfills here a long time ago. The last big one was Staten Island. Staten Island's basically just a big landfill. And they covered it all up. Now people live over there. But... Now we pay states like Pennsylvania and uh, New Jersey, and we even have some landfills upstate New York. We used to pay Virginia, West Virginia, but I don't think, I don't know if they do it anymore, but it's it's a $300 million expense to the city every year, $300 million to transport and get rid of all that waste we create, all that garbage, 14 million tons of it per year. And it goes to these landfills, and landfills are basically places where big bulldozers and trucks and stuff drop it off, and bulldozers, they plow it over, and they put dirt on layer and layer upon layer and build it up higher and higher with layers of dirt in between the garbage. And it's kind of scary because most of that garbage is basically wrapped up in big, thick, black plastic bags. And um, if any, I don't know if any of you know it, Plastic is very, it pretty much lasts forever, and it's toxic. And so whatever soil it's in, it's going to corrupt the soil. And if there, God forbid if there's any kind of underground water systems nearby, they're going to be corrupted because eventually it turns into this toxic ooze. We're going to get to that later, though. The plastic issue is a big part of this whole thing. We're going to get to that. But quick little anecdotal story, uh, a New York Minute story. It's a classic. Back in the 90s, uh, I was a rocker. And they used to have these, all these poor people would set up their stuff on 2nd Avenue to sell, you know, odds and ends, junk and knickknacks and whatever, clothes. And one day I was passing by and I, I uh, spotted, I was a friend of mine and I spotted uh, this brand new pair of uh, purple Converse 
Chuck High Top Classics. And um, I got it for this crazy good price. I haggled with a guy, got him for like $3. And I didn't want to carry him around with me all day. So I asked the guy, do you have any bag? Do you have a little plastic bag or something? And right at that time, a breeze was blowing down 2nd Avenue. And it, a bag came by right after I asked him. And he grabbed it out of thin air in front of my face. And he goes, here you go. <laughs> and he handed it to me. And I put the chucks in it. So that's an example of how, you know, our environment has been so saturated with plastic that it's just floating around everywhere. But let's get back to the 14 million tons of garbage in general that New York City produces every year. So that's a lot of garbage. Humans, we all produce garbage, man. You know, we're consumers. We live in a consumer society. But we have to come to terms with all this consumption because... Uh, we only have a certain amount of space and there's exponential growth. Now, exponential is a term that's thrown around sometimes. If you actually look at a graph on, go and Google it and see how fast things can explode because as the population increases, the growth increases exponentially of, you know, each consumer represents a certain amount of garbage. So the figure for individuals is uh, 25 pounds of trash per week and the av- that's the average. 16 pounds at home and 9 pounds at work. And so you multiply that. I mean, I'm just talking about New York City. Now we're, you know, think about whole country of over, what, 325 million people. And then let's, let's just jump out of New York City and our country for a minute. Think of, think of in terms of the whole planet with not eight million people like in New York City, but 8 billion people. And people in poor, poor countries produce less garbage because they consume less because they have less money and their systems haven't produced the Western consumption model. But they're all, they all want to. And China and India in particular have come up the ladder really quick in the, the last 30 years. And they want, everyone wants to live like a Westerner with all the gadgets and the comforts of home that include a lot of consumer things that we really don't need but somehow we've become addicted to and that's part of the discussion today is like what is sustainable you know versus you know what we've gotten used to because we're gonna have to change our behaviors like pretty drastically like soon sooner than later because uh, it's the earth can sustain if, if everyone, we need five Earths, this, this has been, the study was done decades ago, that for everyone on the Earth to live the way Westerners do, Westerners meaning Europe, America, Canada, Australia, and now China as of late, and upcoming India, and eventually Indonesia and Africa and all the other Asian countries, for everyone to live like as the Western model has been living since post-World War II, it would take five Earths worth of resources to enable that to happen and that's just not going to happen we only have one earth so so we have to think in terms of um see we live in a in a on a planet with finite resources versus this like this hardcore capitalistic infinite growth model which is just not sustainable but yet we're trapped in it kind of because this is like the model the economic model we've been living by for a few hundred years now, and it's the one that keeps the most people afloat. 
So therefore, it seems to be the best one because it keeps the most like two thirds of people floating. One third are always like struggling or homeless, but it's not good enough. And also, it's just not sustainable because it's totally based, like I said, I'm going to sound like a skipping record. It's based on this like constant consumption. Like I just did a Zen cleanse. Like I went to a, a Zen retreat. For a weekend, for the first time, it was interesting. I'm not a Buddhist. I, I love Buddha, but I'm not a Buddhist. I believe in God, and I disagree with other central premises of Buddhism, like the first of the Four Noble Truths that says life is suffering. I, I don't believe that, and I think it's an insult to God and the Creator, because uh, if you have the basics covered, which is like half the population of the planet, um, most of your time is spent in the neutral zone. You know, like extremes happen, like, really bad things and then really good things and then a lot of the time is like gray zone which is actually something you get to appreciate as you get older because it's just chill you know and like you go through your motions your daily routines nothing bad happens like ice cube said it was a good day you know so i don't buy that anyways we my girlfriend and i we also cleared out our apartment yeah, I've been living in the same apartment like I maybe I mentioned before in another pot last the first podcast like for decades in a and so you accumulate crap. You know, I'm, I'm not a person, I'm not a very materialistic person, so I don't really care too much. I have very basic furniture. A lot of it, half of it I found out in the street. And I, I buy vintage clothes from, I buy used clothes from the Goodwill. I have no issues with that because a lot of people in New York are rich. They throw away amazing stuff and it's good materials and good labels or like just good quality. I don't care about labels. I don't even like labels. But just felt great to like get rid of a bunch of stuff that just like, you know, we... It took me days, like literally full days to go through each section of like whether it's the clothes that you have in closets, drawers, stuff you're keeping around. You don't you know, there's no rhyme or reason why uh, gadgets, you know, knickknacks, just junk you don't need. And it just starts to clutter. And, you know, we don't have a lot of space in New York, most of us. And so you want if you clear the clutter from your space, you're going to have a better vibe. And it's totally true. It's like, oh, my God, it was after it took over like two weeks and by the time it was done it's just the apartment doesn't look a lot different but it just feels different because you know you just down to the essential things that you want we got rid of about a third of our stuff between the books the uh papers that just build up because we kind of have academic backgrounds and just you know and then also like old tax forms and stupid crap you keep around for way too long you only need like three to four years of your tax and now everything's online so it's all stored online so just amazing amounts of crap. And then I had a sidewalk sale, which I used to do when I was younger to make a few bucks. And I did it, and it was really hot out. And I still made some money, and I got rid of some stuff. But then I just donated and threw out the rest of the stuff. So it feels great. Zen cleanse, I would suggest you all do it. And that's part of ties into the whole discussion today about, you know, uh, a more a minimalistic kind of life, less materialistic life. And it's just all about consumption. Like Christmas used to be about Jesus, you know, the guy who preached love and peace and getting along and harmony. And that turned into like the, the number one gauge of where the economy's at and what people are spending. And then Memorial Day became a big sales thing where it used to be about honoring those who've died for our freedom, you know, fighting overseas or whatever. And that turned into like a big sale weekend. And now we have, and then there's the Monday following, first there's Black Friday which is during Christmas too, or before, no, after Thanksgiving. And then there's whatever, Internet Monday or whatever. And, and it's just, it's, it's, I'm really getting sick of it, man. 
just when we should be reining in our consumption habits based on everything we know now according to the laws of ecology. A lot of people don't know the laws of ecology, but I suggest you take it if you go to college. It's an important course because everything's interconnected and one of the primary laws of ecology is that if it's not biologically natural and was created on the earth and evolved here for four billion years, it was created by humans and it has, it's, chances are it has some kind of toxic nature to it and you can't throw it away. It can only be buried in a landfill, dumped in the ocean. There's nothing, you can't get rid of it. So you can't throw anything away. If, if, since man started inventing stuff in factories and mass producing stuff, all that stuff, no matter what it is, unless it's biodegradable, which most products aren't nowadays, it's uh, basically going to be around you know, from thousands of years to we don't even know forever. Plastics, we don't even know. It's like we could live forever. Like, you know, so, and they're toxic. And they're bad for us. And that's why cancer rates keep going up and up and up. We've cured so many diseases, but the two biggest diseases that still plague us and keep going up in the hockey stick formation in the last hundred years post-industrial revolution here in the West are cancer and uh, heart disease. And both of those are tied into it. You know, cancer, it's obvious, like, but there's so many variables in, involved in, like, you know, the, the environment and how, like, the pollution, all the different types of pollution. I mean, there's a whole list, and I don't really have enough time to go into all of them, but plastic is like one of the biggest problems facing humanity right now. It's, it's in our bloodstream. We have microplastics in our bloodstream, you know, everybody, because it's gotten, they found it in the top of the highest mountains floating around, microplastics, and the bottom of the ocean it's floating around. We've created so much plastic just since the 1950s, and not, not even really until we ramped it up in the six, late 60s. There's a scene in The Graduate, the famous film with Dustin Hoffman, where the guy tells him as a young college graduate, plastics is the future, my son, plastics. And, you know, was, the guy who directed that film, um, Nichols, he understood. He was smart. And they could smell it, like, you know, call them hippies or whatever you want. The hippies knew that toxic shit like plastic and the exponential growth. If you know the basics of exponential growth, you know that it was a bad mix. And so here we are, you know, 50 years later, 60 years later now. And it is a big problem. And it's something we have to face. And it's it's a derivative of petroleum products. And that ties into everything I'm talking about today. Because petroleum is the number one curse on humanity. Even though it's allowed us, it's given us everything we got, basically. And it's it, almost in every product we use, unfortunately, from the computers that, I'm talking into right now the microphones and the plastic wrap that goes around all our food the plastic bags which by the way are eight percent of our waste eight percent are just plastic bags and plastic packaging you know petroleum is a is is a big problem on so many levels you know it ties into the global warming which is the biggest crisis facing humanity today which i'll probably do a separate show on but it's weird you can almost trace so many problems back and it's also tied into synthetic chemicals we've created 80,000 synthetic chemicals toxic synthetic chemicals since world war 2 80 over 80,000 like dow cargill all these big monsanto all these huge companies dupont whether it's pesticides or preservatives in food or whatever it is it's all these toxic chemicals created by humans in the laboratory only 200 of which have been tested and now you know there's a pushback because you know with the Roundup and the, the cases against Monsanto, which is now owned by Bayer, a German huge conglomerate, 
and they they bought that company and now they got to deal with the headache of all these lawsuits from these pesticides that are making everyone sick with cancer and then we all the preservatives that I grew up eating like when I was a kid my mom didn't know any better and she bought a lot of crappy foods that are packaged with all the preservatives and artificial colors and it affected I know it affected my behavior and so there's a big you know push going back to organic foods now and knowing where your food's from and how it's grown and you know it's it's ironic that here we are you know people will say oh it's what's kept so many millions and billions from starving the you know this they called it the green revolution ironically in the early 70s because it did save a lot of people from starving in china and america and around the world but you know the splicing and stuff genetically of of certain seeds and stuff and making them stronger and resist resistant to like weather and problems in the environment but they they also took it to the next level where they started mixing like gmos like mixing different species together for the first time in the history of the planet which is a whole nother podcast gmos i don't talk about that but bottom line is petrol you know are basically uh dead dinosaurs and they call them fossil fuels for a reason because it's it's a bunch of it's it's mixed with plant matter and it creates what we use to power the industrial revolution and it's caused a lot of damage on many levels including this plastics thing that we gotta face and global warming but global warming takes priority but then see it's all tied in to petrol so if we end the fossil fuel age we're gonna solve a lot of problems we're gonna solve the climate crisis or at least tone it down so we don't get the worst aspects of it in 20 or 30 years we're gonna eliminate a lot of these uh, you know plastic bags we gotta come up with polymers Polymers are um, a material substance made up of uh, repeating interlocking um, patterns of molecules. And there's synthetic and there's natural polymers. And so basically what we need to do is to switch over completely to natural biodegradable polymers. And there is a movement going in this direction, but it's very slow because to to go to scale and to replace plastic, which is ubiquitous in our lives, plastic from petroleum products, oil, uh, which is toxic, and we've, ta- we've been talking about that the whole time, it's, it's going to take a lot of investment. And um, the private market uh, doesn't want to do that. They never do. Whether it's energy, it'll take you know, trillions to switch over to clean energy. And it's going to take billions, if not trillions, to, to rid ourselves of this evil called plastic that we've created and um it's going to take big investment so bottom line is the government's going to have to get involved and make it happen i mean there's uh just like i said you know certain using uh materials such as corn based materials um soy based materials and i the bags are starting to show up in some grocery stores that that care but these biodegradable polymer uh, bags you get sometimes, they're very flimsy and they can rip easy. And another problem is uh, temperature, like um, a melting point. Uh, there seems to be a problem with anything that goes, if it sits in the sun for too long, it starts melting. So these are issues that I know that can be solved if we put a will and some resources behind it. Like, And, you know, it's up to, like I said, it's up to the government to make this happen because the, the private industry is not going to do it. And so maybe it could be a partnership, hopefully, or something. So taxpayers don't have to pay for all of it. You put a man on the moon, surely we can solve this uh, polymer issue and make it uh, a better product than plastic that will biodegrade and melt in with the soil and become one with the earth again and not destroy it and us in the process. 
So this is a big solution that is happening and has to happen even faster, like ASAP. Okay, so I'm gonna spend the last couple of minutes here talking about solutions. One third of, of all the flow of garbage here in New York City, and I think basically in the country, 33% is bio-waste. It's food we don't eat, we throw away, little scraps we cut off when we prepare our food. That can be used for so many solutions. Like it can, it can, you can create energy with it. When you burn it, you can you create compost instead of using all this like artificial weird nitrogen produced stuff that's creating algae growth uh, all around like in deposits around the uh, the mouth of rivers and parts of the oceans around the world from fertilizer runoff from big farming whether it's uh, in the Midwest here in America going down the Mississippi River and causing a huge algae uh, growth and in the Gulf which is which these algae growth things they they create. They kill ecosystems because they suffocate. They use up all the oxygen. Fish die. Ecosystems are ruined. Wetlands. And it's happening all over the world. Same, similar problem from these nitrogen-based fertilizers. So we need to switch, switch out that too. So there's a lot of work to be done. But we need, we need the political people who are educated and smart enough to, to push these agendas through. Our whole infrastructure uh, is going to have to be switched over to uh, like a cradle-to-cradle manufacturing infrastructure that's based upon uh, items that are easy to recycle and the parts that you need to upgrade are easy to replace. So now what you can do as an individual is stop drinking plastic bottled water. A million bottles per minute are disposed of. Do the math. A million bottles are thrown away. A million plastic bottles per minute. We've all drank it in many of them and I'm trying to cut back. Get a thermos, carry it around with you. You know, drink public water. You don't need to buy bottled water. It's no better than public water in most places. That's not necessarily true everywhere. If you're in Flint, Michigan, it's not true. But there's things you can do. So wake up, change your habits, recycle, recycle, recycle. Only around 15 to 20% of Americans recycle after all this time. It's ridiculous. Don't listen to the naysayers that say it doesn't make a difference because it could and it will make a big difference if everyone starts to do it more. Study the butterfly effect in physics. Everything's interconnected. Everything does make a difference. We got to change our behaviors. Consume less, you know, just buy things you really need. And don't listen to all the brainwashing, you know, capitalistic crap on, on the, all across the mass media. Because it's, it's what's going to really do us in unless we stop consuming so much. So God bless you. And God bless this beautiful mess. And uh, see you next time. You know, tune in. Don't tune out because it's uh, now or never. We got to crank the vibe. We got to make stuff happen. Action speaks louder than words. Peace out. Take care. Bitchin' in